Section 12 of The Court and Character of King James, whereunto is now added the Court of King Charles, by Anthony Weldon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Observations instead of a character upon this king from his childhood. It being improper to write the character of kings before their deaths, I wish this were not much nearer the period of his happiness than his death, Give me therefore leave to present unto your view some remarkable observations of this unfortunate king. In his very infancy he was so subject to that wilful humour still possessing him, that if anything crossed him he could hardly be stilled, which then they were forced to give way unto by reason of that extreme weakness which disabled him as the like did his father until the seventh year of his age, to go or scarce to stand alone crawling when of himself he would be in motion upon all four in a most unseemly manner. For the recovery whereof he was beholding to the skill of one Master Steuteville, an excellent artist for strengthening limbs and straightening crooked bodies, but for the rectifying his wayward disposition to the tender care of the Lady Carey, afterwards Countess of Monmouth. This humour of his principally he took from his mother, who notwithstanding was a gallant lady, nor was he free from it by the father's side, though his timorous nature gave it an alley. His mother, who loved him so dearly that she said she loved him as she did her soul, yet was wont to say that she must with grief of heart confess he was a fool and wilful, which would hereafter endanger him the loss of his crown. A sad censure, yet it should seem prophetical but it were a lesson fit for all parents learning rather to leave their children to God's providence than to pry into his office of foreknowledge. He ever expressed an ill nature by taking delight to do ill offices to his father's servants as well as to his own. Witness that instance concerning Master Murray his tutor and Dr. Hackwell placed about him to instruct him in the principles of religion, who, rightly judging it coincident to that his employment, did therefore, upon the treaty for the Spanish match, deliver him a small treatise in manuscript, therein intimating his advice and judgment to inform his conscience of right against coupling himself with a papist, saying to him, Sir, I beseech you make use of this by reading it yourself, but if you show it to your father I shall be undone for my good will. The prince returned him many thanks, and assured him it should never go farther than the cabinet of his own breast but withal he asked him to whom he had showed it. Hackwell replied, The Archbishop, Abbot, hath read it, who, returning him it, said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Besides him, he told the prince, he had only showed it to Mr. Murray, the tutor, who, belike being better acquainted with his master's perfidious disposition than the other, did then dissuade him from delivering it to the prince, for, saith he, he will betray you. And it so fell out, for within less than two hours after his said engagement to the doctor, he presents it to his father, upon which he, or any through whose hands and cognizance it had passed before, were all under a disgrace and banished the court. Only Murray was afterwards provost of Eton. Here was an emblem of his breach of oaths and protestations in future, and of his untrustiness, which in a subject would have been called treachery. 
Such a one, too, he showed himself in the business of Rochelle, which, after his fair promises and deep imprecations for their relief and assistance, wherein they put some confidence, was merely betrayed by him, insomuch that when the Rochelle agents found themselves abused through their whole year's attendance, they left this bitter jeer upon him, that now they could rightly call England the land of promise. He seldom loved any but to serve his turn, and would himself serve a turn to do any mischief, as was to be seen by his saying Amen to every full point of Buckingham's accusation in the face of the Parliament against Bristol, for his miscarriage in Spain, when it appeared by Bristol's defence in public before the face of that same Parliament, that there was not scarce one syllable had any truth in it, who also freely put himself upon the test that if there were any truth in that combined accusation against him, he would yield himself guilty of it all. He was of a very poor spirit, which may be conceived, amongst other things, by his making Buckingham his privado after he came to the crown. Otherwise would he never have forgotten those unsufferable insolences offered him being prince. What they were you have already heard. His predecessor Henry V, and so his brother Henry, would have instructed him otherwise. For although it's true noble minds should forget injuries so as not to revenge them, yet so as not to countenance the doers of them, especially to take them into so much nearness and dearness as he did him after those two proud affronts which argued in him, as I said before, a poor and ignoble spirit. He had all his kingdoms left in peace and tranquillity by his father, which he soon after made a shift to distemper by a foolish war upon France and Spain, and by a more foolish conduct of either ignorant unexperienced or cowardly commanders. And in truth, if you will give credit to Vox Populi, the book so called, written by one Scot, they were suitable to the grounds of such quarrels, being no fairer than the satisfying the beastly appetite of his favourite, who must be revenged, forsooth, upon those states. In which I admire God's justice, that he who unjustly made war upon unwarrantable grounds should have war thus brought home unto him so that now God hath given him the same measure he hath met to others, even full, pressed down, and running over. I wish I may have a time to give him a fairer character when he is dead than are my observations in his life. But I may rather wish than hope, in that course he yet continues. End of section 12